position. Affirmative. Negative. I am the milkman. My milk is delicious. Roger that. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Best Linux Games Podcast. Go, go, go! The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of the egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know. Uh, join us on Steam and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news. We have the latest titles that we are interested in. Of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews. And then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals. Uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the Linux gaming on, bitches! Hello, welcome to episode number 283 of the Best Linux Games Podcast, being recorded for you on this, the Friday, uh, Friday the 27th of March, 2020 at 16.12pm Pacific Coast Time, that would make it 4.12pm Left Coast Coast with the most crack engineer, Ivor Molina, bam, over there in the booth, holding up the whiskey sign. That's a good call, Ivor. And you're fired because you fucked up last week and I have to run a correction about it fucking this week. So you're fucking done. You're done, you hear me? Mm. But good call on the whiskey sign. That would, of course, make it for our sequel friends, the one true time and date format. 2020, uh, 1600 hours or whatever the mark. Mm. Ah, we have a great show for you this week, I think. Providing that Ivor had done fucked it all over again. Oh god, when, when will I be rid of this meddlesome engineer? Um, he's not the monkey. He's not the wrench, because that's an insult to monkeys, wrenches, and monkey wrenches and wrench monkeys. Absolutely, you're fired, Ivor. Quit crying. Um, so yeah, as mentioned, uh, at the start of last week's show, uh, evidently, Ivor spent, like, three hours engineering, um, an audio bit to start off last week's show that explained that the first 35 minutes of it were COVID, but instead, all he ended up running was fucking, fucking ponderous, man. It's fucking ponderous. Casey Case, I'm doing his whole ponderous thing with some edits. Um, and to think that he dragged me here to the studio in the Fortress of Darkness, specifically on one of my days off, to record that, and he fucking dropped that fucking thing, but he kept the bed! What a fucking moron! Okay, so anyway. That is our correction for last week. I apologize for that, and we are not going to do a do a uh, shit my 
fucking iPad just no god damn it ah 283 there we go there's the rundown um but yeah no uh last week's show at the start there was a 35 minute long thing and there I ran we were supposed to run um a disclaimer at the beginning of the show saying that you know while we're the toy aisle like while we while, while we try not to cover anything serious or whatever shit is getting serious etc 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 amongst other developments in uh, Las Vegas vis-a-vis covid and if you didn't want to have to hear any of that stuff you could skip to minute 35 but that disclaimer didn't run cuz I was a genius so yeah we this week, we're not going to talk about COVID at all. Uh, although, just for the record, uh, U.S. Uh, infections topped 100,000 a day, and my heart skipped a beat at around 2 o'clock in the afternoon when MSNBC, on their COVID counter, they're running like stock ticker, like uh, Chiron that's on the right side of the screen, when someone accidentally entered a wrong digit uh, while updating the actual uh, victim number, or the actual deaths number, um, and instead of entering a 1, they entered a 2. And I I sent, luckily, I only sent out one horrified panic, you know, like, this might be the end of little Rico text message to one of my friends, friend of the show, Jeff Jeffy Wise, who we owe a big thank you to for contributions to this week that will be explained later. Um, and then... I looked back up after you know sending him like these three text messages and it was a one again so I thought that maybe it was just like my eyes are going because it's not the biggest box I thought I confused a one with a two but no they uh they literally this is you know relevant for you know to a show about computer games and Linux and data science and informatics um, it was literally a user error and then they fixed it and then it took them 20 minutes before Ch- Chuck Todd, who I'm not a huge fan of actually got around to saying, oh and for those of you who just shit your pants 20 minutes ago and now think that you're hallucinating so now like you're terrified and you're insane, that's great yeah I know, someone fucked that up we're sorry, it's been corrected, I mean and it's fine Like it's just so, f- I mean it's not funny it's incredibly scary, but people make mistakes and you know, anyone who tells you that data and information sciences and or data entry and or having a good data set with, you know, clean, reliable metrics and uh, well broken down information, um, just tell them about how I almost shit my pants at 2 o'clock in the afternoon which it would have been uh, 2,500 or two, it was they used the old number but replaced the one with a two, so it was like 2,300 deaths, or it was like 1,300 some odd deaths you know, then they updated it and it was 2,300 some odd deaths and they didn't change any of the other subsequent digits beyond the one to a two and then they updated the number with the actual update because then when they when they fixed it, it was 1,000 500 and some odd deaths, every one of which is, you know, absolutely terrifying and is not something to make light of but it it does illustrate it was illustrative not illustrative, illustrative it it illustrated, there we go, that's a better way of saying it easier, on the tongue at least um, the importance of fucking, you know math, metrics science, and statistics because the way that when they fucked it up that meant that, like, and it, you know, because I, I wasn't staring at the number when it updated. Um, so I, I thought that it was like 900 people over the previous six hours, because normally that stat, at least on MSNBC, gets updated at around nine o'clock. So around noon Eastern time, and then again around three o'clock Eastern time. So it would have been like somewhere between three and six hours. It was at you know, one number, and then in one day, 900 more people, which would have been like an increase of like 80% mortality, and it would have bumped right now, because I, I knew there was going to be over 100,000 uh, infected on the on the number that MSA, 
by today that MSNBC was going to run when I woke up this morning at 6 o'clock because um, it was at 95,000 or whatever um, which is ne- we're getting into scary territory the next two weeks are going to be very scary but um, if, they're, if, they're not, if you're not scared already you, you know it's good to prepare yourself for these sorts of shocks but this is why I shit my pants because that's like an increase in one update period of like you know three to six hours somewhere in there um, of like you know 180 percent yeah something like that it's like it was like it was like at 1300 and then it was at 2300 that's that's a big that's <laughs> it scared the shit out of me like i was ready to start sending you know hey sit down i got some bad news for you kind of text to like my mom and stuff but luckily they fixed it and blah but one digit off yeah which is kind of the story of Trump's negative IQ. The mystery of his negative IQ. How does he how, how is he sucking intelligence out of other people and depositing it nowhere? It's weird. Uh, but anyway, so enough COVID talk. Those are the numbers. Shit's getting serious out here. Liquor is actually becoming uh, harder to procure, which is a terrible sign of possibly the end of this, of you know me, your humble narrator might be the end of Little Rico and the end of this show and the end of my life um, if we run out of whiskey, when the whiskey runs out, I fucking quit everything, not just the show everything, I'm done, I tap out when the whiskey, when the whiskey there's no more whiskey, that's it for me, but anyway on to happier topics, so our we have a themed episode for you this week. Um, we're calling it Escape Lockdown. Uh, and so the theme of all of the games in this week's episode, which we kind of broke the format in order to accommodate this theme, but if you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that I was COVID symptomatic three weeks ago, and that on St. Patrick's Day... Las Vegas went into lockdown. Not lockdown, lockdown, but all non-essential businesses closed. They don't report this on the news, even in America, which is weird. Um, cause, but anyway, yeah, by, gov- by order of the governor, not a single playing card is to be turned or wager to be placed on a machine for 30 days as of midnight on St. Patrick's Day. Um, and so that meant that my self-imposed quarantine which was just running out, It was I was almost done with it, got extended by 30 days, so I was just ahead of the curve. This means that if you... This means that I, I have a unique appreciation for um, the uh, mild, queasy, claustrophobic, stir-crazy sense that many of the rest of America who has not been under self-imposed uh, quarantine for so many weeks um, might be experiencing because I started to go fucking nuts uh, at, at around day uh, day 10. Day 10 was and, but now like I'm kind of, it's it's a different reality out here um, like in every aspect, everything that like I need everything that like you know I want all has to be like figured out in a different way and the budgetary um, constraints of it are getting crushing and it's getting weird out in Vegas but that's just the, the temperature in the air that's just the buzz uh, yeah I went I had to go to a grocery store uh, for the first time this week in a long time since December um, that was only because I needed cigarettes uh, and I had just gone to the bank that's right there uh, I, I normally have all my groceries delivered anyway because it's in Vegas it's not that much it's it's actually generally I have saved money by ordering my groceries delivered um, including the tip just by the ability to use coupons that are like automatically matched and applied to the shit that you order um, and you know, and it shows up faster and I don't have to leave the fucking house and go to a goddamn grocery store. So it was a shocker when I when I went this week. Anyway. 
So, I'm, I apologize for all of these alert sounds that you might be hearing. Blah, and I also apologize for accidentally inserting more of the most pressing concern of the historical moment and uh, defining moment in the deranged history of these last five disastrous fucking years um, in American history that are absolutely historical and of monumental notoriety. Uh, Anyway, so moving on, it's kind of, you know, a pressing thing. It's, yeah. Anyway. Um, So for those of you who are experiencing COVID COVID-19 lockdown-induced psychosis, you know, mental derangement, aka going fucking batshit stir-crazy, well, we, what I've tried to do this week is include something for everyone that allows you to escape the prison that is not just your physical reality, but really the prison of your mind, which is what keeps you in the physical reality. Uh, without bre- breaking uh, the Descartian evil demon fucking... <laughs> without, without breaking that, that fourth wall. Mm. So we're breaking the format, though. We, we're not breaking the, that fourth wall. We're breaking the format, though. <laughs> um... Because some of these are new, some of them are old, some of them we've talked about before. In fact, I think almost all of them we've talked about, at least in en passant, uh, on the show. Um, so they don't fit into new and noteworthy, and they don't fit into deals. We do have one deal for you, um, which we'll actually I'll put first. Um, but before we get to... That's not our feature, though. Our feature... Like I said, that's the theme of this week's show is total escapism. Completely immersive games that you can burn if not a ton of time, at least you can really burn hypnotically you know, dozens of hours and without the outside world um, barbarically intruding with its horrific reality and the stress and stuff and the social isolation and etc. So or if you have a family your wife and kids <laughs> or your husband and kids or you know whatever the sheep that you like to fuck whatever so uh, two pieces of news at the top of the show first of all Bleeding Edge is a game that came out on Steam this week, I think. It's a four-player fighter. It does not... It looks fantastic. It is borked by EAC. Generally, we I try not to cover things that are borked in this show, but this game looks really amazing. And it's borked by EAC. So, there you go. EAC strikes again. Uh, so, don't bother you know, spending the time to download it and trying to get it to run or whatever. According to ProtonDB, EAC borked. It, it'll install, it'll you know seem like it runs, but then it just exits silently, and that's it. You can't get to the main menu. According to the report I read from, I think three days ago. Might have been three days, it might have been three weeks, but I read it uh, today, this morning. So, you know, chill out on Bleeding Edge. Um... Also, in something else that doesn't work, and then after this, everything gets really positive and really, you know, blah. Um, if you are as old as dirt like I am, uh, you will remember the glory days of the Flash game revolution that happened on the interwebs uh, around, you know, 2000... 2000-ish, yeah, right around the turn of the, turn of the century. Um turn of the millennium uh, these include such classics as, and I mean literal classics as Falling Girl, which I can't find anymore um, and which I have tried to recreate in a number of game engines and failed um, just as exercises uh, Falling Girl the you know glory of defend your castle uh, and N plus and N plus plus, but I think N plus plus actually is different from the Flash game. But anyway, N plus plus was great. 
and plus plus on Steam is overpriced, but that guy deserves getting all the money for having made it free for all of these fucking years. And and you know, amongst many other games, one of the best in terms of freeware of that generation. It wasn't a flash game, actually, now that I think about it. It was it was a straight up download, but it was free and it was multiplayer. Multiplayer side scrolling shooter with a fixed camera view and fixed field of view with tiny little characters, almost stick-figured characters in butcher-esque pixel trash resolutions in destructible environments in a Worms-esque type of game. And I say Worms-esque because I hate Worms and also it wasn't Worms-esque at all because it was literally 360-degree mouse control for aim and then abuse style controls, if you remember the old abuse game, it's called Soldat uh, Russian, I think Russian for soldier and it was a great game uh, it was like a cross between Doom and Worms in 2D with fucking as many people as you want with lots of mods and it was free on Windows I was still back on Windows uh, back in Soldat because I remember it was the last Christmas, I think the last one of the last Christmases that uh, I had with my grandmother, and I was playing it in my hotel room after driving to Yuma um, and putting together a feature so it had to be in like 2002, 2003 because I was still writing for the paper because I put together a feature on Flash games and freeware games that you could get for Windows because I had just gotten a gateway laptop, um, the one of the first ultralight laptops that, that you know, blah. It was the first computer I ever had that that I had ever had that had wireless internet. Anyway, moving on. It flash forward twenty years later, you know, seventeen years later to the present day. I saw a news item on Steam yesterday, and then I tried to track it down, and I could not track it down. That evidently they have made and have been actively working on a sequel to Soul That, which was a fantastic game, by the way many dozens and dozens and dozens of hours were spent in Soul That, the, the free game on my little gateway Windows machine. Um, many, many hours. Like, we're talking like easily a hundred. Well, they've been working on a sequel and it's going to be a commercial title released through Steam. The news item I saw yesterday said that they have released a free demo of Soul That 2 but the news item does not link to the demo their store page doesn't link to the demo there's pictures, they have a store page um, but it's not even in early access yet so I don't know, if, if you if you if you like I have fond memories of Soul That the sequel looks amazing, it looks just like everything you remember but with uh, prettier graphics and Blah, and it'll be it'll cost you money, but evidently right now somewhere on the internet you can play Soul That for free, and I don't I didn't have time to go through the entire cul-de-sac of trying to tease out what the fuck where the link is because it's I don't think it's on Steam at least it wasn't as of the time of this recording, but they say that there's a free demo available now of Soul That too, and that's just the single player. Uh, elements of the single player campaign um, not the multiplayer but it's free and if it's out there then you know blah or if they if they if they just forgot to like fucking post the link or whatever keep your eyes peeled over the next you know 24 hours for more news about that because if there's a free demo and you remember that game you want to play the free demo of the sequel which I haven't gotten to play yet because I don't know where it is. I, I don't know if they know where it is. I don't even know if they know or don't know that they have not informed anyone where it is. So, there we go. So, yes, that's, you know, bam, right there. There is a fucking free game, maybe, uh, that will completely erase your brain of any of this COVID bullshit. And which we're not, I'm not going to repeat the theme of the show because that just makes you think about the thing that you're not supposed to think about. Like, don't think about an elephant being in this room. Whatever you do, don't think about an elephant being in this room. So, moving on. 
See, I just tricked you. So, it's total lockdown escapism, which is what we'll call it. I won't say the name of the thing that we're trying to escape. I, I, I will just treat this symptom, not the cause. Up next, if you're going stir crazy, and if you're of a certain age, like where, or if you have underlying health risks that might make you vulnerable uh, to the extent that you're kind of unable to like go outside because it's theoretically safe to you know go take a walk, um, which I've done several times now, and I don't go outside at all ever. But going kind of going pretty, I, I'm I'm actually under control now. But I've been drinking an insane amount of booze. Like it's just out of control. I probably will not last if this goes on for three months. Um, but that's inevitable. change. So, if you can't go outside because of your, you're of a certain age or have underlying health risks or if you're just fucking paranoid and crazy uh, or it's inclement or you have allergies, you know, blah. Um, but want to lose yourself in a game that lets you go outside um, in a very realistic way, you cannot do much better than Session, S-E-S-S-I-O-N, as covered, still in early access, but as covered uh, on this show months ago, several times months ago. I've got about 10 hours in Session. It's the most realistic skate game ever made. We're talking about skateboarding. Um... It has a very steep learning curve. It is very difficult. It's also very rewarding once you start to be able to do the stuff that you want. It can be very frustrating until then, but it's also very addicting because it is so realistic that you get a sense of real achievement when you know you pull off your you know first fifty fifty grind, um, for instance, or you know whatever, and you can let it take over your brain. And it becomes like this crazy form of meditation that the only creepy thing about it, as you know, with some of the other games, there's no one in this game. (laughs) So it's kind of like mildly post-apocalyptic in that sense, um, which is highly reminiscent of current reality, depending on what city you live in. Um, But anyway, uh, I and I wanted to include something for everyone. So that's a skate game you can totally lose yourself in. I mean, completely fucking lose yourself. You could spend the next hundred hours in session. And also, the other reason why I wanted to include session in this week's episode is we didn't um, ever cover the last two major updates that they've pushed to it. One was right around Christmas. The other one uh, was uh, a couple of weeks ago, I want to say. These were major updates that offer entirely, not just quality of life improvement, they're major updates. Um huge feature rollouts, better tutorials, um, and different play mechanics. Uh, very different game from when we originally covered it in early access. We're still holding out off for it to come out of early access before we review it. Okay, so thanks to Jeff Jeffy Wise, friend of the show, Jeff Jeffy Wise, uh, we have a JRPG for you, an anime-inspired JRPG based off of a comic book, uh, Battle Chasers Night War which I've also played and I know runs great on Linux. I, I We mentioned it on the show when it first came out, but then it got lost in my shuffle. And I was going through my Humble Bundle for next month, and I you know, I, was, I, I already have a license for this game, and so I just sent Jeff like a picture of, you know, what game do you want? You know, I was like, oh my god, Iron Battle Chasers Night War! I had no idea that he even cared. Um, so I sent it to him. He beat it, and it took him 24 hours, but he played this game almost nonstop for those 24 hours. It was like, over the course of two and a half days, he fucking beat the game. His first play session, he said, lasted over six hours in one sitting. And, you know, I can't focus on anything right now for... That's the whole idea of these games. So, if you want... A, oh, and by the way, the the game is gorgeous. I, uh, and the play mechanics are great. It's a straight-up JRPG with ultra, ultra awesome you know, AAA title, modern 2020 style graphics, it's not a pixel trash, it's not a retro kind of thing and then also the anime uh, cinema sequences are phenomenal just check out the uh, intro or the the um, their 
the the their main trailer on their Steam store page, which opens with basically the opening cinema, which is a huge battle sequence that introduces you to all of the characters. And yes, evidently it's based off of a comic book. So if you want to get lost in something that will, you know, control your mind with um JRPG style cute anime characters that you get to control and upgrade and shit. That's a great way to do it right there. Only 24 hours of gameplay, but he said it was superb. He didn't say superb. That, those are not his words. He gave it a strong 8 out of 10. And he said he was very satisfied with the game. Um, and that's Battle Chasers Night War. Okay, so let's say you want to escape. Let's say you're you're missing the uh, actual human contact with other people and want a uniquely human way to experience them and all of their flaws and foibles based heavily around the sense of touch and holding and raw physical intimacy. Um, this game also scratches another itch. This is Heave Ho, by the way, which I, I've mentioned on the show. It's one of my favorite games to do Steam Remote play with because I'm terrible at this game. I probably played like five hours of it with numerous different people. But because it has Steam Remote play compatibility. Anyone who has a joystick, they don't even need a license for the game. So, and if you want, ever want to play Heave Ho, just find me on, on the Discord thing. The instructions are in the show blurb. And just, you know, and friend me on Steam, Skooky Sprite. Um, and just say, go, dude, I want to do Heave Ho, but also ping me on the Discord uh, so that I know to check for the friend invite, and I'll fucking, I'll, I'll invite you to play Heave Ho. Heave Ho, for those of you who don't know, is a two-dimensional, it's uh, published by Devolver Digital, who has never published a bad game that I can think of. I just cannot think of a bad game that they've ever published. Heave Ho is, is 10 bucks for a license, but you only need one license to share it with, like, all of your friends, if you want to play with your friends. The voice the, the um, voice integration with Steam Remote Play is fantastic now. Um, I played with Vigilant Viking, Casimiras, other friends of the show from the from the Discord thread. I played with a, a, a friend, colleague, and lifelong associate of mine, uh, uh, Longmont Potion Castle um, via Steam. It's a fantastic game, and if you need some laughs and you want to talk to somebody while you're just laughing and it's not that not that serious but it is a game that does involve a lot of skill the idea of heave ho is it's a two dimensional um game in which your left trigger represents your left hand and your right trigger represents your right hand you can't move you have no legs you're like a little finger puppet and you have to grab onto surfaces and swing across surfaces and grab onto other players and have them swing you across surfaces and or daisy chain each other to get to the end goal of each level and it is hilarious it's also really challenging and can be played competitively uh, but it's better to not take it that seriously and it can be played for like I don't know two hours at a time before before I start to go a little crazy. But then you take like a 10 minute break and then you just fucking reinvite everybody. And it can be played up, it can be played with up to four people. Um, and those four people don't, you know, I, I tried to stay a little bit cost conscious, cost conscious in this episode for, for, for our theme. But realistically, I just, I went for quality over what's on sale or whatever. Um, and Heave Ho is totally worth the 10 bucks uh, on sale it's it's worth any price on sale it is you need this in your arsenal and you know if you want to just like play with someone you just like fucking hit them up I'm like dude you want to play Heave Ho I'm like what and they don't even need to have ever played the game before it's that simple it is that funny it is that fun it is <laughs> it's great 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 especially if you need like a little human interaction fantastic platform for human interaction, like, you know, talking to people and stuff over the internet. So that is Heave Ho. Uh, Up next, one of the games that I talk about too 
well, I don't know. I never really talk about it in, de- in detail anymore, and that's good. We're not going to do that. We're not going to break that trend today. Um, and I, I am also involved in a tertiary way. I've been giving the developer feedback uh, as this game's in early access and as he goes through the evolution of this game. But I've played 400 hours of Nova Drift over the last, like, nine months, I think, since I found it in early access. Since, you know, I discovered Nova Drift for myself. Um, and it's gone through a lot of changes. I mentioned this game, which is, by the way, it's a it's a developer, Jeffrey Nielsen, would, would describe it as uh, a space dance, an elegant space dance, a, a roguelike programmatic space dance, top-down, asteroid-style, demi-roguelike, frantic strategy shooter with damn near infinite possible combinations of upgrades and ship effects for each run. He pushed out, as I mentioned last week, a massive update, which the update itself is out of the beta branch. The game is still in early access. He's calling it Nova Drift Genesis, and it is the most exquisite and biggest change to the game that I've seen. I I, I spent four hours playing it this week, and I've been playing a lot of fucking games. Um, If you want to lose yourself in blasting shit in outer space in a game where you can just die constantly, you can play at stone for endless hours. It's almost impossible for me to stop live streaming uh, Nova Drift. It's great when you want to play it sober for like, you know, real point challenge skill shit and exploration and, you know, stuff. It's great when you want to just play it completely casually. It's mesmerizing, it's challenging, and it's super fun. So, no, and it will erase dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of your life, and it has a quality um, as Jeffrey Nielsen minded. And in, in the interest of full disclosure, I am also helping them out by designing and making the decals um, for them, but not in a commercial sense. Anyway, it, it would be it would be weird if I didn't disclose that. Um, okay, I'm starting to lose my voice, so we might not even get to our real feature this week, which is the ultimate king of escapism. But before we get to there, we have one deal on here that's it's still kind of expensive, but it is totally worth it, and it's a game that doesn't go on this deep of a sale hardly ever. You want to lose yourself in a modern role-playing game. Modern in the sense of uh, all the bells and whistles of everything that they can throw in the kitchen sink into a turn-based well, partially turn-based humongous deep rule-booked pseudo-Diablo-esque without like the action but still inventory-based weapon upgrade based RPG-based role-playing game then the best that is out there is on sale for 50% off. That would be Divinity Original Sin 2, the definitive edition. Now through uh, March 30th, which is three days from now, it is 50% off at $22.49. And I know that sounds a little bit expensive, and it kind of is, especially right now while we're all trying to hunker down and stuff. That game, you will still be playing that game when this season of COVID is a fucking memory. When it's gone the way of the Dodo, please let that happen tomorrow. Um, You will still be playing Divinity Original Sin 2. It's a game that I haven't spent that much time in because I spent um, so much time in Divinity Original Sin 1. I didn't spend like hundreds of hours in that game either, but I know how the level of detail and control that these games give you and the depth and breadth of the story. It, and it's one of my favorite um, looking uh, role-playing games of this type, and Divinity Original Sin 2 is one of the most critically well-received uh, games of its type in recent memory. I, I say it outstrips any other uh, RPG like it since the inception of this podcast, including like Pillars of Eternity. It's way better than Pillars of Eternity, in my humble opinion. The Pillars of Eternity is unique in its own way for its own reason. 
And it's let Divinity Original Sin 2, the definitive edition, 50% off, $22.49, now through the 30th. It doesn't go on sale that often, and it never goes on that this steep of a sale. Um, and you can spend hundreds of hours in it. Uh, I was gonna... Fuck. I've already, I've already fucking didn't put the link in the rundown! Alright. 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 Losing my voice, but Ivor based him with it so we can get out of here in the next 10 minutes. Our feature, the ultimate escapism that you can play right now on your Linux box. Oh my god. It's Bolivians. Never gonna let you down. I can read your mind. This week's feature. I can't read you. I can't read you. I can read your mind. Take it, Scoochie. Bolivians! Okay, so our feature this week is a game that slipped under my radar. It is called Genesis Alpha 1. And Genesis Alpha 1, the Deluxe Edition, which is the only edition that's avail- that it's available in, is $29.99. It came out on February 20-something of last month. And I put I took the time to put down some notes so that we can get through this in about 10 minutes. This is not a review. This is a feature. And if you want maximum escapism, you want to forget, you want the world to just go away for as long as possible... Um, Genesis Alpha 1 might be the game for you. So, I won't even bother with like the story of the game. Oh, the story is epic. It doesn't get in the way. Genesis Alpha 1 is essentially a first person combination of alien isolation, a roguelike Everything is programmatically generated. No run is the same twice. Um, open space, strategy, shipbuilding, resource gathering, resource management, security, first person, science fiction, exploration, uh, Stunningly gorgeous, uh, open-ended, complete illusion of free will, uh, ship management, design, upgrading, and securing light strategy, medium suspense, science fiction, horror, uh, action, strategy, colony resource, horror, adventure, game, roguelike, in the first person. There's two main ways that you play the game. There's two screens, kind of, which is kind of reminiscent of Duskers. It's also reminiscent of Duskers in a lot of other ways, but anyway... Bottom line is this. This is an action game in the first person. It is. It looks amazing. The performance is astonishing. Just watch any of the games. Uh, cinema will, will flag some of uh, in the show blurb. One of our videos of the week will be this game's uh, actual trailer from their store page. Just, just watch that. That is actually the game. That's what the game looks like. That's what the game plays like. So it's first person. The other screen is a tactical view of your ship. When you're in the tactical view of your ship, which is the shipbuilding screen, all you have to do is just cycle through. You play this game with a twin stick controller. You can play it with a keyboard and mouse, though. You can cycle through the type of modules you can build, and it it's all... The interface is fantastic. The in-game tutorial which is integral to the story and the setup of the game. This is, uh, the year is 2145. Fine, I'll tell you the story. Um, Massive, humongous conglomerations of multinationals. So multinational, multinational. Corporations rule the world. Humanity is kind of doomed. They've all found this, they, they invent hyperspace, and they found this new galaxy called Alpha One, 
and it's dangerous and it has tons of life and possible opportunities and uh, you are one of the brave astronaut captains cloned by one of the corporations to explore, exploit, and find a replacement Earth so that it could be colonized by your corporation and the rest of humanity and, you know, blah, 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 blah. There are bugs, there are space pirates, there are environmental hazards, there are engineering hazards. And the genius of the game is that those are the only two game screens. There's a first-person shooter view, which is how you navigate everything, it's how you do everything. And then there's the shipbuilding view. All of this is explained to you. It's painless. It's painless how all of this is explained to you. It's really good. Um, and really immersive from the get-go. I mean, you will lose yourself in this game if you like these elements at all. But the the best thing about the game, in terms of like its design, those are the only two screens. Everything else though is done in the first person. And that includes handling all of the, the screens that actually control the equipment in each one of your modules. And you can build your ship however the fuck you want. Uh, your only constraint are your resources. Um, shipbuilding is very important in terms of strategizing and stuff. Ship defense is also important, and it's something that you basically do yourself. Although, evidently later on in the game, uh, you get these things called warbots. Right now, I'm basically limited to what I can shoot on the ship, what my crew members that are assigned to that module can shoot on the ship, and uh, automated turrets that I can deploy, pick up, and redeploy. They have 600 rounds each. They last a long time, after which they self-destruct. And my own personal weapons. Um, This is the genius of this game in terms of the ship defense aspect of it. You have no idea... But okay, so there are two ways you get resources. You you can take an away ship, either yourself or with an away team, or just send an away team on a ship to a planet to harvest resources. Um with or without you. Or you can harvest using your tractor beam uh wreckage that you find in each individual subsector of the galaxy. You can warp to any subsector in the galaxy that is within range of your warp. Um, each little subsector, there's like maybe I want to say like maybe 600 subsectors um, each of them in a nine block you know sub you know mega quadrant kind of thing um, and you can travel about three blocks at a time, it takes about mm, five seconds for your hyperdrive to recharge before you can warp again so that's not a problem what is a problem is that the two ways of gathering resources require you to expose basically the interior of your ship to um, the big, bad outer space interstellar world in the form of dropships. Uh, these are stowaways in the form of the tractor beam. They are also stowaways, but they are nested inside of the wreckage that you're harvesting. So you never know as you finish a tractor beam pull if you're going to pull. You'll always pull the resource that you know you're trying to pull, but you don't know if it'll come with some unwelcome guest. This is especially profound early on in a run, like your first two hours before you actually have turrets, because it requires resources to build things, and depending on how you build your ship, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, you might have more or less resources for turrets. And turrets are essential because for me it works like this. Every area in the tractor beam. Oh yeah, so all of these modules in your ship including the hallway modules, including your storage modules, including crew quarters, including places that no one goes including places where literally no crew member ever needs to go because you have uh, these service robots that you can build and they, they handle all of the movement of resources and stuff. So on my on my most recent run, my ship is built with a just a long fucking arm that is just all this big long empty corridor with storage and deposit modules on each side. But anyway, the point is this you you build you, you build this stuff in, in a in a map view, but you you have to move from place to place in the first person view. 
this sounds like a big pain in the ass, but it does make shipbuild. It's not a pain in the ass. It's also it's also really brilliant because it ties the game together. So when you have stowaways, or when you know something comes on board the ship from the tractor beam, and you don't have turrets. Every module on the ship has the module interior, but then has access ducts underneath it. And you traverse, but you have to learn where these are. Um, and that's when your wep- weapon mounted flashlight comes in handy. You'll spend a- as much time in the access ducts as you do in the actual modules. Some modules, are it's easier to get into the main module compartment. Um than others because you can't jump in the game you actually have to find like a stairway but you get pretty good at it as your ship gets more complex and labyrinthine um, it becomes more difficult to remember exactly where you are which is great because it does factor into the way the game is played because here's here's the genius of the game it's a huge ex- space exploration you know blah, blah 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 but if a bug gets on your ship and it doesn't get killed and it depends on the type of bug. All the bugs are different. Um, you start off fighting mainly space spiders and space slugs, but eventually you'll meet the pirates, and then you'll meet the the spore people, and then things begin to get a little more serious. But it doesn't matter what the bug is. If a bug gets away from you, if you don't know that there's a bug, and no one else knows that there's a bug, and it gets into those access tunnels... It will start eating these power conduits that are essential for each module of your ship, and in fact are essential to your ship, because each module is connected to the mainframe on the bridge. All of the modules are interconnected by a central power grid that runs from module to module. So you can have this huge ship, but let's say it's all tied together with one central hallway, and let's say in that central hallway you let a bug eat all of the power conduits. I, you'll you'll learn this lesson the hard way. All you have to do is walk up to. They just look like little circuit breaker boxes. They're very easy to see, but each module has a combination of them, and they're in different places in each module. And some of them are in the module itself, and some of them are in the module's service service ducts. And you have to know where they are because when a module loses power to the mainframe, it and if, if it's the only module that's connected to the rest of the ship, all of the rest of the ship loses power, you know, it's weakest link in the chain kind of thing. But here's the thing. If you see that happen, you have to fix it immediately because that actual module itself will begin to degrade. And eventually, as I discovered, once it degrades, it, it goes. It looks a little different on the map. It's noticeably different on the map. It looks like a kind of like a ruined outline. That once that happens, there's no longer an airlock there. There's a different type of emergency maintenance airlock there, and in the main compartment, you are no longer inside the spaceship. Technically, you are EVA and clinging to the structure of the module, which is now exposed entirely to outer space as you're traveling through outer space you have minutes from that point to fix that module or to replace that module if you're on that module when it completes its degrade cycle that module falls off the ship if it's the only thing connecting one half of the ship to the other then you lose the other half of the ship you will also die if you are on that module trying to repair it when that happens. So, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of it, so defense against the bugs, making sure that all of the ducks are are covered by whatever type of guns you have for whatever type of risks you're facing is essential. Because Here's the other common scenario. There's a bug, a space slug, let's say, which looks like a giant, you know, arm-sized maggot. 
let's say it gets way into the ducks let's say it goes to a part of your ship where no one ever goes let's say that you're really busy trying to do other shit and so you don't notice on the map there is no like real warning that you're losing power conduits until you're losing power conduits one space slug left to its own devices for 20 minutes it's not one space slug when you have to go in there to clear it out it's a hive it is an infestation and it can kill you but more importantly it can also destroy your ship um you can die, the captain, by the way you're a clone, it's just like Major Havoc, all from one one from all um you are them, they are you all from one, one from all so if you die out of the room, and you have remaining clones, because you have to manage your clones, and they handle they speed up, by you can assign them by using the control panels in each individual module, which you have to go to manually and to assign crew and stuff. Uh, the more people you have assigned to a specific module, the faster and more efficient that module performs. Ultimately, um, if fully staffed, there's also the option for you yourself. You, they don't have to be fully staffed. You can be the only person staffing it. But then you have to manually run the machine. But fully staffed, like the tractor beam, is three times faster with two the maximum of two crew members assigned to it. And they actually have to get there and be there. All of this is in first person. And if you're there, then you might as well jump on a terminal and hold down the uh, L, the left trigger to speed up whatever the current work assignment is. And you do this in cycles. The other major role that you have other than managing the ship, repairing the power consoles, and handling the security is making sure that uh, you don't run out of resources, you handle and assign all of the space missions, and the the biological managing the biodome and stuff. Oh, one moment. Oh, shit, we're running out of... Okay, look. We're running out of time. I don't want this to go longer than an hour. So, in short, here's the deal about Genesis Alpha 1. Just like Minecraft, which got me through one of the worst periods of my entire fucking life when my dad got sick and eventually died, um, Minecraft was the only thing I could do. Because it was an endless series of very small tasks that were freeform in structure, had actual implications that I cared about, but were so small and so instantaneous and so, um short attention span, which which was like the limit of my ability to focus during that period, and I think um, it's something I've I've been experiencing uh, over these last three weeks of, you know, social isolation, and I imagine other people are, you know, probably experiencing something similar. Genesis Alpha 1 is very much like that. It's a lot of really small tasks that are not unpleasant to do, are so quick and easy to do and have immediate rewards um, and are more consequential in a greater scheme of things that you don't really need to manage all at once. It's not intense fucking strategy. Uh, there is you, The way you design your ship is important in other ship, but you, you'll fuck it up anyway and it'll, it'll be great. On top of that, it has the most amazing graphics and not the most amazing graphics of any game ever in history, but everything feels and looks incredibly epic and the controls and the performance are so fluid that you completely lose your side. last night I was live streaming while stoned and I thought it had been like maybe 30 minutes, it had been three and a half hours it's that type of fucking game um yeah, and so and also like the gunplay and stuff is not crazy awesome the exploration itself is not crazy awesome, but it all looks and feels epic, and the sense of immersion in the game the sense of you being there with your clones um, exploring this universe that is filled with life, as Ida would say um, that's your computerized AI chick she narrates the uh, game's main trailer and is your constant companion and really does a fantastic job of you don't ever feel like you've ever played the tutorial in the game but you just end up knowing everything it's great, it's not like a fucking, you know, you don't have to like get a manual or open up a game fact 
Um, I got stuck like th- three or four times um, in terms of resources. What module builds that, or you know, blah, or why am I, why, why can't I build any, you know, blah, 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 shit like that. You figure it out. You can figure it out in game very, very easily. Um, and Ida will help you with that. Um, so it's all, all of that wrapped up, and all of these tasks are very specific. They don't, they are monotonous, but they're not tedious. Um, and they are in their own way enjoyable because you are absolutely in charge of everything. Um, game isn't perfect, but this week I've spent eight hours playing it, which is a lot of time for me to spend in one game after discovering it the week I discovered it. And I will continue to. Like last, uh, another game that was like this was, um, Void Bastards. I, I mean, man, I play the shit out of that game. This game, we'll see how well it wears, but these eight hours have just been fantastic, and I, I'm raring to play right now. There's not a moment of my day where I don't want to play more Genesis Alpha 1. And the complete illusion of free will, you are in charge of everything. And there are massive consequences. And they, they're spectacular. And uh, what, what feels probably the best thing about it is if you go back and listen to my review of the excellent Bomber Crew, which is a game essentially about the art of making sure that nothing unexpected happens, about managing the unexpected, such that when the unexpected does happen, you can actually manage it because it is so out of control when it actually happens that is the main thrust of Genesis Alpha 1 I think anyone who likes far-flung science fiction uh, light light terror because you always feel in control even, even when you don't know that you're about to die um and even when, like, you know, an infestation gets fucking batshit crazy out of control, um, you, you still feel capable, generally, of being able to handle it. Uh, the run ends when you win the game or when you run out of clones and there's no one left to promote to the captain role. We'll, you'll hear more about this game Maybe next week. I I might be ready to review it next week. We'll see what um this is my third run. Uh we'll see if I how long it takes for me to beat it and blah. But I'm sure that before we speak again next week and next week's episode, hopefully, God willing, we'll all still be here. Um, I will have played at least twenty plus hours of the game. It's that good. Uh Genesis Alpha One is $29.99, and it's single-player only. Just like the rest of our lives. Cheers, stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, and if you are healthy, uh, go to uh, the Red Cross's website, and if you're in America, and see uh, if they have a blood drive near you, because they, everyone is so scared that we're running out of blood. Alright, see you next week. Escape! A good idea. Four or five times. Hi there. There is delight in doing things right. Four or five times. It is I, E.B. Farnham. Maybe I'll cry. I'll get you a drink. And if I die, I'm gonna cry four or five times. Do you like to play? We like to play. I like you. We like to sing. It only runs on Linux. We like to go. Yaddy yaddy yo. Four or five times. We're going to have such fun. Bebop one. You're becoming hysterical. Bebop two. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Bebop three. Yaddy yaddy. Four or five times. Matt Damon. Burn everything incriminating, including this building. Burn all the White House pets, and then yourselves. Burn yourselves first. There is no Windows version of weaponized chess. Boy, this is fucking ponderous, man.
ponderous, fucking ponderous. It only runs on Linux. It's not a problem. You alienated part of America. I alienated crazy people. I like it very much. It is I, E.B. Farm. You're becoming hysterical. I'm here. I'm there. I'm fucking everywhere. I'm the Eggman. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.